boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us, horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our ninth tome of Season 2 with Four-Sided Triangle, an episode surprisingly not all about the correct number of sides to geometric shapes, but it is about the joys of fucking a scarecrow. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co-hosts, the man who has thoughts on scarecrows and the, their sexual propensities. Uh, of course, I'm talking about devilish Dan. Propensities, yes. Yep. Uh, yep. I love fucking scarecrows. Do Do you like? Is there a comma there? Or hold, hold, it, on, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I've hey, never. Hey, here, here's oh, no, Preston. I've that? never interrupted an intro before. But when you talk about fucking a scarecrow, you don't bring me up first. Where, <laughs> he where, lives where in where Kentucky. Yeah. Where I mean, <laughs> I, are there like, what do you do with the pump? Is, is it the pump? I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, there is a, equal very, opportunity a very large acreage cornfield to, to my right. I'm pointing right now. Just, just go with me here. Large cornfield to my right and a pumpkin patch to my front. All right. Oh. I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. So hey, you ain't, you ain't I, protecting that tobacco? <laughs> no, I was gonna, I was gonna think I could, I could match him, but he, he upped me on the cornfield. So <laughs> I have a fairly large acreage cornfield to my uh, back and right. No pumpkin patch though. No pumpkin patch. So you probably have more scarecrows than I do. The, the pumpkin patch was a was a cool little like addition. I I didn't even know it existed. I'm like literally driving to work when I'm like, oh my god, my neighbor literally has a pumpkin patch. Anyway, let's fuck a scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do it. <laughs> um. Wow. I mean. Well- that's this the, week's Horrors from the Vault, if you want yeah, to follow yeah, us at HorrorVaultPod. There's very little else we need to say, but yes, there is a there's a little bit of a scarecrow uh, thing that I don't think I was aware of. Um, we talked a little bit off uh, before we started recording, but a little bit of Pearl action in here. Got in on the, mm-hmm. the scarecrow, and then Four-Sided Triangle was three decades before that. So... You know, scarecrows apparently are a thing. If you are someone with a scarecrow fetish, right into the show. We want to talk to you. 
If you directed Pearl and directly ripped off uh, Four Sided Triangle, oh. I'd like to hear from you and, and see see what you have to say about that. Were you influenced by it? Are you aware of Four Sided Triangle? Are you completely surprised that there's a movie about another young farmhand fucking a scarecrow? Yeah. Right in. I'm reminded of that uh, terrible meme image that was floating around for a while. I can't tell if it was like a flea market bootleg t-shirt or where it originated, but it was a uh, blonde farmer's daughter um, in, in, in overalls uh, doing the business with uh, a piece of corn. And it just said, country girls, get it done. And <laughs> oh, that, God. that's all I could think about. <laughs> For this week's episode, a four-sided triangle. Is that what that musical that was on the Thanksgiving parade is about? That that shucked musical? Is that about a Apparently people love getting shucked. I don't know, man. Get shucked. All right, let's get shucked and fucked. We're going on to season two, (laughs) episode nine, aired on May 29th of 1990. Preston, let's shuck and fuck our way into the house of horror. Why stop there? Maybe throw in a cuck. I don't know. Um, <laughs> We've already listen. done our cucking episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is a there's shucking a, episode. There's a little bit of cucking in this episode. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, does it? I mean, it's mainly just <laughs> greasy, dirty old man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So let's I, I, oh, go, sorry, ahead, go ahead. Preston, Preston no. I'm so sorry, but... It we we forgot to bring it up on last week's episode, but we did get more replies than out of any episode we've gotten so far about um, the uh, threes a crowd. Threes a crowd. <laughs> we got a lot of feedback on threes a yes. crowd, including our friend uh, Phil. Uh, we got comments from Dracula Steve and, yep. and a handful of others, and everybody totally agrees that that episode is so fucked up it makes zero <laughs> sense. So we we did pretty good on that one, I think. Yet it's one of my favorites. What does that tell you about me? I don't know. It was it was fun. It was fun. But Preston, yes. Sorry about that. Go on ahead. No. Let us know all about that comic inspiration. Oh my God. Hey, I interrupted. It's all fair game. Four sided triangle, man. You know, um, it's interesting. We're not too many stories away from our previous episode for crying out loud. We're moving up just a couple issues with shock suspense stories number 17. So we're going to October of 1954 and i do have to say i thought it was pretty cool that this particular story gets the cover of this issue and i am way down with the cover of this issue um cool fall vibes right and come on scarecrows as i've already established they're always welcome right um you know it's funny i had to um I don't know about you guys. I kind of had to embark on the uh, seven seas to retrieve this issue, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like I was reading a scan copy from like an original issue. (laughs) And while, of course, like I miss like the HD nature of some of these, you know, the, the clarity, I I don't know, man. For this one, I did find it like a little bit charming. Um, Something about just those like faded colors and imperfection. It kind of reminds me of like how certain movies just feel right for, for VHS or something. This was kind of like a similar effect. So that was funny, but let's talk about this story a little bit, man, man. Oh man. Um, this, uh, this one was certainly one of the bigger standouts in quite some time. I'm going to be honest. Um, 
it's very it, where where the last episode was was totally different on the screen. This one is very very much the same, right? This was really fun, really an insane story. You know, as we've already established, I did watch or excuse me, I did read the story before watching the episode and I just was thinking of Pearl the entire time. Uh, just just as we mentioned. I mean, I you know, scarecrows are great. Uh love them as much as anyone, but Hmm. Yeah, uh, got a lot of laughs out of this one just from like the dialogue between the characters. Um, to no surprise to anyone, as we've already established, I'm you know born and raised in the South, and shock suspense stories. Let me tell you, their depiction of how people talk in the South <laughs> pretty hilarious. I'm gonna be honest. Um, and depending on where you are, like it's not even that wrong. So you know, take that or what you will. Uh, definitely over the top. A lot of fun, though. I loved the ending of this one. That son of a bitch got what was coming to him, uh, in my opinion. But we'll get there. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, Annie, this this poor lady, she she's a little confused. And um, definitely check this story out. It was a, it was a really fun time, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. If you checked it out. Yeah, you pretty much said everything I would. I would also add that uh, the art was pretty good. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the kind of like the bucolic settings that they really captured on the page. As we just established a couple of minutes ago, we were both very cornfield centric people uh, <laughs> or adjacent people. Uh, so a lot of yeah. that looked very familiar. And uh, yeah, uh, it looked really good on the page. I mean, you guys really covered it. So let's just keep shucking and fucking right on into the top billing. <laughs> Before we get to top billing, I just want to point out, we've mentioned Pearl several times. There might be some people out there who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. The movie fucking a scarecrow. By the way, Pearl is a Thai West film from uh, a couple of years ago. It is the prequel to X. So if you saw X, they filmed both of those at the same time. And there will be a third one coming out hopefully next year called Maxine. So if you want to watch a story about a farm girl fucking a scarecrow, and then uh, a couple decades later, she turns into old hag and slaughters a bunch of people and then who knows what happens in maxine just have to wait and see i will say if you're checking it out for the i mean if you're listening to horrors from the vault you probably definitely already have but just in case if you have not um i will say i think you're much better off watching x and then going into pearl um agreed yeah yeah i know some people are like but pearl's a prequel it doesn't care when it takes place. It's kind of like watching the Star Wars prequels before watching the original trilogy. You can do that after you've seen the movies a couple times, but I really think you should watch X. It was first, and it sets up a lot of necessary context for Pearl. Mm-hmm. I like it. You know what else you should watch? You should watch things like Child's Play, Fright Night, and Psycho 2. And why did I mention that? Because they are made by Tom Holland, who is a writer and director of this episode, alongside of James Tugend. Um, Tom Holland also directed this episode, and we discussed him briefly during Lover Come Hack to Me. James well, he's, Tugend, he's redeeming himself for you in this one, Dan, where he's he like, is, look, yeah. Dan had some issues with my casting of the lead in Lover Come Hack to Me. So yes, this he cast one, we're getting a real piece of ass. A much, much more voluptuous lady in this one uh, this time around. Um, James Tuggan, he hasn't worked that much on mo- many notable things, but he is mostly producer and he wrote and directed a few shorts. 
Uh, as far as cast, we have Miss Patricia Arquette, who we just referenced a couple seconds ago as Mary Jo. Uh, she is a member of the noted and legendary, legendarily eccentric Arquette acting family, along with brothers Richmond and David. And y'all know David from Scream for sure. And sisters Rosanna and Alexis. Uh, she and David are probably the most two notable of the family. Uh, as far as roles she's known for, she was Alabama in True Romance. Allison. We love True Romance on this I've, podcast. Hell I've yeah. I've never seen True Romance. No! Oh, I know. Bro. I know. I need, True I need Romance. To it. It's one of those where I'm just kind of like waiting until I'm almost dead, which, you know, I need <laughs> time to do it. Anyway, Alison Dubois in 130 episodes of Medium. Uh, she also played a double role in David Lynch's Lost Highway. And she was, of course, Kristen in A Nightmare on Elm Street. The Dream Warriors. Uh, uh, member number one of the old farts. Uh, Chelsea Ross is George Yates. Uh, he played Eddie Harris in Major League, George in Hoosiers, and Captain Talcott in Basic Instinct, which features a few scenes of rough sex, Sharon Stone's vagina, and I watched it as a 12 or 13-year-old with my parents. Oh, Hi. Yep. Yeah, that's what you get when the, your kid wants to rent a cartoon and you don't want to watch a cartoon. You want to rent what you want to watch, so you get to scar your son for life. All right, speaking. Dan, Dan oh, go, like, ahead, go I ahead. just I just wanted to rent Milo and Otis. Yeah, and then, and then here he is, not watching Milo and Otis. Nope. <laughs> Sharon Stone was like, "Look, I know I'm good at this," and then your parents should have known by that point. I don't, wasn't uh, that kind of her breakthrough role, though? Look, Sharon Stone, we had known in the industry for years. Oh, come on. Yeah. She that loves was, Flesh, and that's... It was no her. secret. Come on. There you go. Hey, listen, it's also no secret, well, maybe it is, that I kind of love Chelsea Ross, because let's yeah. just say a movie that I watch with my parents that involved Chelsea Ross. Let's take a trip back, fellas, to 1994 for Richie fucking Rich. Come on. Anybody? I don't. I don't no? know if I've ever seen Richie Rich. I I've <sighs> seen Richie Rich. Um, this guy was also in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like Dallas? No, like y'all. <laughs> Did you watch it with your parents? Probably. Probably. Dallas was probably, probably on so. at some point. I uh, I also wasn't he in Drag Me to Hell too? Doesn't he have some sort of role in there? Yeah, I couldn't figure out what he was. I think he's uh, one of the parents that they go eat dinner with. But yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Not quite big enough role to mention. He's definitely one of those guys. Like I, I just pulled up his filmography just to look. Yes, he was in Drag Me to Hell. Man, man's eighty-one years old. Good for him. Shit, he has a credit um, this year. Yeah, yeah, he's still cranking him out. But yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who shows up. And he does his little part and he goes home and mm -hmm. he, you know, he waits for his next little part. Character actors. We love them. You know who else is a character actor? Susan Blomert. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation because there's a lot of like syllables at the end of the, the, the name there. So we're going to go with Blomert. Uh, she played Louisa. She was in 28 episodes of The Blacklist as Mr. Kaplan. I don't know why the I don't watch the blacklist, so I'm not sure why she's called Mr. Kaplan instead of Mrs. Kaplan. I'm sure there's some reason to it. Uh, she was also Missy Dandridge in the original Pet Cemetery, and that's about it. It's three people in this episode. I love sure. her filmography listing on the IMDb because she's known for playing such memorable characters as Waitress, 
the librarian, the <laughs> high school nurse, the nurse, Addie's nurse, nurse in the hospital, like hospital receptionist. She's really good at playing those those non-recognizable roles. But Listen, I guess Blacklist is doing pretty good. I mean, it just ended after 10 years, so had to be doing somewhat good. You know it's always a bad week for good old devilish Dan when he opens IMDb and like the top build cast in Tales from the Crypt has things like nurse or mother or copless. <laughs> it's like, oh God, what am I going to write down about these people? There we go. But sometimes there are favorites, just like the shirtless beefcake mm-hmm. and uh, the thing oh, from the grave. He, yes. he made an imp- I'm still thinking about you, shirtless beefcake. What if I hold the can in my left hand? Look, he's like partying down, right? Come on. Great, <laughs> great stuff. Of course, before we can talk about the episode, we do have to talk about that Crypt Keeper segment. Dan, hopefully a little bit of a redemption here because Crypt Keeper, he is in his best farmer gear, looking like Preston on a Sunday oh, morning. Sexy <laughs> AF. Plucking them flowers. He's a beautiful, hopeless romantic. He got a funny little hat on and even better overalls. He's having a great time. He looks fucking great this week. This hat overall combo he's got going. Oh, perfect. Man, he looks like he's been hanging out with my boy, uh, Ulysses Everett and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> fucking killing it. I love this shit. This boy got kicked out a little worse for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know he's on his way to a Zach Brown show after this. And I, <laughs> I the hell out of him. Uh, like... He's he's got some mildly problematic views, but overall nothing too bad. Just like things where you're you're a little uncomfortable, and you let him know that like you can't do that anymore. And he's like, okay, I'll be better. But he actually means it, and he never does it again. But he just finds a different way to be racist next time. <laughs> Four sided triangle. Ours from the Vault listeners, are you aware that in the southern United States, you can totally just get a sex slave with very little effort? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not wrong, apparently. (laughs) Shit. The mainstream media won't tell you this, but you know who will? George and Louisa Yates. With the power of your leg brace and a lusty husband, you too can experience the joys of blackmailing a young and attractive person. We meet Mary Jo, the aforementioned Patricia Arquette, who lives and works on the Yates farm. When she isn't being Googled from the hole in the chicken coop, she's busy getting beat with Louisa's cane. Some time ago, George caught Mary Jo robbing a store in town, and he's been blackmailing her to work for them ever since. She robbed the stop and go. The stop and go. The stop and go. Which and apparently that, was 60 miles away, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need to see the prequel to this to see what, what happened and how she got convinced that slave labor for the rest of her life is better than jail for six months for robbing the stop and go. I think they do a good enough job of saying basically, Hey, she was in deep shit and it was either get in the car with this guy or go to jail. And she made the wrong choice. Yeah. I also feel she might be a little simple. She definitely is <laughs> like, they don't really make it too uh, hidden that she's, uh, she's not entirely all there. No. Yeah. 
Mary Jo, she's in that chicken coop. She's collecting the eggs the next morning. And George, he's oogling. And he's like, hey, you should go milk that cow because I can't get milked. And then he's watching her looking at looking at the the bud in them jeans. And he wants to he wants to talk to her. He says that a bunch of times during the episode. We're just talking. He grabs her and smashes a bottle over her head. And then that does give her a little bit of brain damage, but no more than the American public school system already. Apparently, oh. gave her. <laughs> <laughs> Not much happened here. Louisa comes by uh, knowing that George is just a lusty bastard. And uh, George, he does what any red blooded American man would do and just covers her up with hay and hopes for the best. <laughs> oh God. Damn it, Hunter, you're going to get an award for this writing. No problem, bud. Mary Jo, she runs out of the barn and she she collapses in front of the very important clown-faced scarecrow, which Preston, you pointed out, uh, horror fans might recognize this clown mask from another very beloved movie. Am I right? Yes, you are absolutely right. It is no coincidence that I, of all people, discovered that because I thought... Holy shit, that mask has been in a Halloween movie. Sported in, what is my opinion, the worst Halloween movie nonetheless, but it is Halloween Resurrection. One of the cooler moments of that film uh, that lacks cool moments. Uh, If you remember the serial killer, um, at least, well, I say serial killer. He was at least obsessed with serial killers in the penitentiary with Laurie Strode, Harold Trumbull. This is literally the exact same mask that he is wearing in that movie. Like, I looked it up, and I'm, like, comparing photos. Yes, I'm that big of a nerd, and I'm like, what What the hell? How, how did this happen? So, yeah, straight up the same mask. Yeah, can't confirm. I looked at those two photos you sent. Looks like the same mask to me. Yep, clown mask. She falls down in front of that clown face scarecrow and it briefly appears to come to life before she passes out again. George is like, whatever she's going to say, she's obviously damaged. So don't don't listen to her. (laughs) God, that's right. What was she going to say? And then, well, and then she she wakes up. And she's like, my man, my I want man. him to make love to me. Yeah. And George is like, I told you she was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give a sh- Oh, going ahead. Go I was ahead, just going to say, she got thirsty for that scarecrow, man. That clown mask turned her on. Mm. She's having it. And the whole hook of this episode is... Is she faking the insanity so she can break out or is she actually having these delusions? Um, I think the episode in the subtext is very clear that she is she uses the scarecrow as a way for her to get out. So it, it kind of plays a little bit back and forth. But yes, I am under the impression that this is a very intentional uh, plan so she can finally get out. Of here. Really? I that, see that's. That is very – I'm so sorry. That, that That is very interesting to me as well because I – man, I feel like – first of all, if that is the case, it went over my head, but I really like it um, because in my opinion, at least in the comic, it was not that yeah. at all. 
So I actually really like the idea of in this, them being like, okay, we're not going to really make her fall in love with the scarecrow. It's kind of her way out. Like you said, Hunter, I actually like the idea of that, but I, I totally did not see that. Yeah. Same. Now I need to watch this for a fourth time and see, <laughs> right. And pick up on any of those little hooks, but that's, that's interesting. I, I honestly took it the same way as Preston where she's just kind of mental and simple yeah. and, and, you know, had a delusion that this is her man now. <laughs> I there's stuff that happens like later on with the encounter with the scarecrow that just feel a little too coincidental um, mm. for it not to have been a plan, in my opinion. Um, I, I feel like it's a setup and she understand the character of Mary Jo. She understands that her. I guess physical element is ultimately the only thing, the only advantage she's got. And she's got this guy in the palm of her hand. So what is a way where we can, what, what is a way where we can get someone else to do the dirty work so she can kind of finish the job? Um, I think it's there, but I also do think it's open to interpretation. Yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely watching this again and see if I can pick up on some hooks. I mean, if you're willing to watch it a fourth time, I, f- I feel like that says a lot about the quality of the episode, which maybe this is a, a good spot to kind of bring it up. But this episode does have a certain um, it's, it's, it's just very well put together where it instead of like an episode of TV um, last week's episode, we were all really fond of. We all had a really good time with it. It feels like a great episode of Tales from the Crypt. This one, and I think that comes down to Tom Holland just you know, he's got an impressive filmography underneath his belt, minus Lover Come Hack to Me. He, there's just a very cinematic quality to this episode hmm. that I think elevates it quite a bit more. It, it's like reading a, a Stephen King short story, you know? It's not the full yeah. novel, but you get everything that you could want from a story in this episode. Yeah, they they definitely, you know... I, when we, when I first started watching it, yeah, I was like, "Oh, they're never gonna tell us why she's stuck on this farm." But you know, the, very slyly they throw that in there, um, you know, without a ton of expo- exposition and you know, boring you with all the little details. You know, just little nuggets I, that you can pick up on. I, and I like you saying it feels like a short story because yeah, you're exactly right. We just kind of pick up, you know, we just kind of pick right up. There, there's not a ton of backstory to it, and you know, it's like this little tale we're we're kind of being guided on Mary Jo's making dinner and George once again being a horny bastard begins to harass her she shoves him off and lets her him know again I got a man and George is like nobody's around for 60 miles and then she's like "Uh uh-uh my mystery man he's gonna come and make love to me he's tall he always wears a suit he's got a big smile and louisa the poor woman she's in a leg brace she obviously can't do much but she sure can beat the shit out of mary joe she chases her out <laughs> yeah. of the kitchen and she talks to george and it basically has the conversation with george we're like we can't screw this up we have free help on this farm for the rest of our lives. Please do not do whatever you're thinking of with the help. <laughs> and this is what I have a problem with 
listen, if you don't want your hubby lusting after your indentured servant, get the woman a bra, get her a full pair of pants that has like a full butt to it and doesn't have one of her ass cheeks hanging out while making dinner. You're asking for trouble, old lady. Come on. I think George has been so isolated from society that really this would be going down with anything. Oh my God. Anyone. Yeah. You put a fucking donkey uh, out there. That's, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you know, him and Louise ain't been at it for a while. Um, <laughs> so, look, I'm saying whoever would be getting George's attention. And I think <laughs> they really just amp that out because Patricia Arquette, obviously and hype of Patricia Arquette's attractiveness. Um, they, they really kind of own in on that here. While we're talking about it, we might need to give Patricia Arquette a special award in our nudity count at the end of the season, because while she's never fully nude, she is, you could put together a, a good example of her nude uh, torso, <laughs> at least. Her udders are swinging in that barn. She's got half an ass out. I mean, guys, can we, can we give a little asterisk for her? Magnificent hunkers. I mean, yes. A little, I little point five action. Yeah. yeah, this, is yeah. A, this is this is White Snake music video for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not quite on MTV. Um, like it's we all, just talked about the dinner making scene, and she's in yeah. like the, that white crew neck, and obviously everything is exposed. It's also another reason why I don't wouldn't mind watching this a fourth time to see if I can pick up on something <laughs> picked up on. Uh, that's why you need to watch true romance, my dude. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, George is one horny motherfucker. <laughs> he just cannot stop being a lusty man. And I would like to read, unfortunately, there was not a uh, name for this, but on the Tales from the Crypt wiki, um, a fandom user on July 27th of 2019 on George's personal Tales from the Quip Wikipedia page, left this comment. The only comment on his page. You're a fucking rapist. <laughs> and a, all caps, a God. sex maniac. Um, not you are, you're, like your own personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and a sex maniac. And to that, a fandom user, we salute you. <laughs> <laughs> Real man. <laughs> genius. We salute you, a fandom user. <laughs> You're so angry that you don't even have to use proper grammar. <laughs> no, you don't have to. <laughs> George, George. He just cannot let it up. He's having a wet dream at the ripe old age. What? <laughs> I mean, he's probably 52, early 50s is what I'm guessing here for George. If he's um, 81 now, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. Before we go any further, this is our first ever sponsored episode of Horrors from the Vault. We have a real quick ad that we'd like to play for you. This week's Horrors from the Vault is brought to you by Stuart and Merritt's Chorin' Bras. Ladies, are you sick of your man lusting over your indentured servant's milky white breasts every time you send her out to get some eggs? Gentlemen, 
Have your dreams been plagued by lustful visions ever since you first glimpsed your farmhands corn-fed udders freely swinging? Well be plagued no further. Stewart and Merritt's Chorin Bras are made from the finest upcycled corn silk and ground up eggshells to guarantee a barrier so thick that not even the hardest nips of your farm slaves will be able to penetrate them most threadbare white tank top. And this week, we have a special deal. Just use code SCAREcrow in the offer box at checkout to get you 20% off your entire first order. And as always, your purchase will also do some good. For every purchase of a Stuart and Merritt Chorin Bra, we'll give one back to a farm girl in need. Again, that's the code SCAREcrow at checkout for 20% off your first order. Stuart and Merritt, purveyors of the finest anti-sex farm clothing since 1916. George, he finally figures out the man that she is obsessed over. He puts two and two together and realizes that the scarecrow is the man that Mary Jo wants. Believing that Mary Jo has just completely lost it, and this is why I think she's aware of what she's doing. Um, he thinks she's completely gone. He can kind of fake it and, and push his advances on her. She completely rejects him and he loses it. He's like, the scarecrow isn't real and I'm flesh and blood. And Mary Jo runs off. Louisa is obviously upset, wonders where he's been. And what, what does he say? He's like, oh, there, there was a critter out front that I had to go get. George and Louisa go to bed. Mary Jo She's wearing that dress that Dan brought up, just wearing it around the farm, having a beautiful day because tonight she has a date with her man at midnight. And George obviously is very aroused by this. <laughs> obviously. Louisa laying in bed <laughs> threatens George by saying that if uh, he ever cheats on her, She's going to do the same thing you do to bulls when you want them to be steers. <laughs> Preston, what is that? What do you do to uh, a bull well, when you want it to be a steer? Let's just say you very, very tightly put a rubber band around um, the manhood, if you will. And uh, eventually that manhood loses circulation and falls right the hell off. Oh, it's not an operation. Like you literally just starve it of oxygen. So it falls off. Yeah. Like fight club. They were going to do that to that guy in fight club, but I think they're mm -hmm. going to cut his nuts off instead of letting it sit there. That's the mm -hmm. same thing you do with skin tags. Mm, right. Yep. That sounds cruel. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to say the least. Yes, it does. I don't want Boy, that. Am I hungry? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> veganism huh, huh? Anybody? Veganism. this episode is brought to you by morrissey um, <laughs> <laughs> mary joe she goes and meets her man at midnight she's caressing the scarecrow she's about to make sweet sweet love and you know what george has done a little swaparoo because he is in the scarecrow mary joe uh, like a child, full of childlike whimsy, like Frosty the Snowman coming to life, goes, you're truly alive, <laughs> which I think is beautiful. 
and begins to kiss him on that fake little clown mouth. George, see, George thinks he, he, he makes you think he's kind of dumb, but he got this one figured out for sure. Well, he ain't know how to do my, he got come for brains, but he know how to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're having their moment. They're making out. They're getting more and more passionate. And then Louisa shows up just completely ruining Scarecrow Bone Zone. Louisa, just wanting to know where George has gone, comes out there causing a whole fit, causing a ruckus. And Mary Jo's like, there's nobody here but me and my man. And Louisa, she finally snaps. So we see her use that pitchfork that we saw her using earlier that day while she was doing the hay bales. And she's like, this scarecrow is not real. And knowing George is inside of that scarecrow, uh, well, she doesn't, but we as the audience do. She stabs him straight on through, killing George little bit of uh, a triumph and victory music there because uh, wh- what did a fandom user say? Um, you're a fucking rapist and a sex maniac. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. <laughs> but I do appreciate that Louisa goes nuts and she just like keeps stabbing him over and over with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and see, that's uh, interesting in the comic. Like, I don't know. Like it was interesting. I, I felt it still effective then because it's just one stab, and then the realization, like, oh my god, you know, that's clearly not a scarecrow. But in this, yeah, I definitely like the excess of just like stabbing multiple times. You got the blood. You see the eyes through the mask, right? Kind of, kind of very dark night of the scarecrow, yeah, uh, kind of stuff going on. Yeah, there might be something here too, like. Uh- Hunter was talking about earlier where maybe she knew deep down that he was in there too, because last time I stabbed a scarecrow, you can tell if it's hay or body in there. (laughs) Um, It's going to go in a lot easier if it's just hay versus flesh and bone. So um, after one or two, you might be able to kind of say, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. That would have been an interesting reaction if she, if she was not like after the second stab, she was like, wait a minute, something's not right. Yeah. Um, but instead we get this very great horror movie kill, you know, so it mm-hmm. all works out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do really like Mary Jo Patricia Arquette's really weird overdub screaming in this segment <laughs> where she's got her mouth wide open, but She's clearly making a scream that is being formed with it. It's just a really weird shot. You got to go back and watch it. When, Dan, when you hit this for your sixth time, take mm-hmm. notice of this one uh, because it is incredibly, <laughs> it's incredibly strange. Yeah. The a- ADR, I love picking out weird ADR things. I didn't pick up on this one, so I'll have to take a look. So while Louisa, she's looking on uh, at George's lifeless corpse of a body, uh, I guess that is, you know, I use three words to describe the same lifeless corpse of a body. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're looking at George's dead body here on the ground. Mary Jo takes her chance and stabs uh, Louisa in the back with that rake. And then this is where I'm saying she kind of kicks into gear immediately after that. She's mm. singing that she's free at last. She's good to go. She immediately grabs the keys hmm. and heads off on the way. I think if she was actually delusional, she's aware that the scarecrow 
got stabbed, but she still would have considered that to be her man, right? Yeah, she so, would be. Yeah. Dis- she would have gotten on top of him or distraught. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And took to the know, hospital. Yeah, had their date moment. <laughs> and there's not like a dream sequence after that, which implies that you know what she's seeing. Like maybe it could have been her and the scarecrow walk away or they make love or, or whatever. Right. There's none of that. She immediately goes for the keys and gets the fuck out of there. Yeah. That's a good point. That, that is true. And I will also add just not to keep going back to the damn comic, but uh, she does, you know, it basically ends with the scarecrow, AKA the husband's death. It does not continue into, you know, her picking up the, the deal and stabbing the, the wife and, and all that. So I actually really liked that addition to this version. I'd also like yeah. to point out, this is the rare happy ending that we get for tales from the crypt. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the evildoers are punished and the hero walks away. Yeah. It's a shame she had to go through all that. And the next day she was caught robbing the stop and go again. Um, and then <laughs> another, another 50 year old couple picked her up and put picked her on her the up. farm. She's in the same situation. Five sided well, triangle coming to a theater near you. You're going to have to either work for us for life or you might have to go to the jail for six months. <laughs> I'll take County. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Right. I learned my lesson. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of four-sided triangle so guys before we can talk about our final thoughts let's talk about that finale little crypt keeper moment here i do like that it cuts to him wearing the clown mask from the episode i like when there's a neat little thing that ties it all together there's usually the wraparound segment right where it's hey you know uh here's here's something that concerns the episode we just talked about like we talked about the glam metal crypt keeper last time this time he's actually wearing what's implied to be the exact same scarecrow mask and i think that's fun i think it's just because of the puppeteers that control the face wanted a week off <laughs> but then he takes it off like right away and still gets the pitchfork as well yeah. yes it covered in blood no less true I forgot to mention, since we're talking about props, Mary Jo is clearly wearing what is a Christmas present wrapper in her hair. Um, and I thought that was pretty amusing. Oh, funny. It, when she goes out there to uh, have a date with her man. Oh, God. You know, she's got to pretty it up. I did not care for the puns during the Crypt Keeper segment. I, I, they're usually, you know, kind of groan inducing, but these ones were particularly bad. The big bone us and not what you call safe sex. I, I don't know. I didn't love it. Yeah, them. they're they're a little, oof, little iffy to say yeah. the least. All right. Well, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts and severed thumbs ranking. Petrified Preston, where are you sitting on four sided triangle? Oh, man. This is tough, actually. Jeez. Um, kind of going back and forth on a couple options here. I, I really like this episode. I really like the story, obviously, as we established earlier. And uh, this is great. I mean, Patricia Arquette's awesome. And then kind of surrounded by some really good character actors. I love the setting. And oh, we throw a scarecrow into things, screwing it or not. Uh, you know, that's always a plus. Um, oh, this is so tough. This is, I, I'm not, but this is like one of the first times I want to give like a quarter of a thumb. Um, no, no quarters, only No, halves. no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I, you know what? I'm going to go four thumbs 
out of five severed thumbs that is out of five um god i'm i'm, I'm i was kind of leaning toward four and a half but i i think i think four is a little more comfortable and uh i'm, I'm happy with that because again this was this was definitely like a highlight episode for me devilish dan that's that's a little higher than i'm gonna go this is good not great tales from the crypt uh like you said well written well directed um Got some some good partial nudity in it. Great character actors. Uh, good twist at the end. And I'm going to give it three and a half severed thumbs up. Nice. All right. Yeah, I kind of went back and forth between the two of your scores. I know this, this is re- commonly regarded as one of the better episodes of Tales from the Crypt. A lot of people really like this one. And I think it is that cinematic quality um, that gives it just a little bit of a leg up. That said, I think the story... Uh, the story is it's a compelling enough story but i think that with a little bit more how am i going to try to say this i think that the performances could honestly have carried this a little bit further um and i don't know if that's due to a lack of writing or if just the performances weren't quite there to support kind of the grand idea of the source material but it just never really quite reaches that next echelon so it, it's one that i appreciate but it's not one that i think i'm going to watch very often going forward i think i'm going to give it a little bit higher than i'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to go higher than average uh i'm going to also join you dan i think at a 3.5 nice i think our last episode you guys were half a half a thumb above me and i'm half a thumb above you guys on this one there we go I was going to say half a thumb above. That's my favorite Creed song. Oh, God. <laughs> Hold me now. I'm half a thumb away and I'm breaking. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to Horrors from the Vault. We really appreciate you joining us. Make sure to go and check out all the shows on the Neo Zaz Podcast Network. There's full of great material just waiting out there for you to discover devilish dan people should also discover us on social media platforms where can people do that god they really should and i don't understand why some people might not have already it's easy all you have to do is go to your favorite social media network such as instagram twitter x whatever you want to call it blue sky threads and go and search for horror vault pod if that's too hard for you Email us at, at horrorvaultpod at gmail.com and I can give you instructions. Um, but if you don't care about the actual podcast, you can just follow us individually. My personal one is at Red Ray Dan at all those normal socials um, or over on Letterboxd at Daniel P. Sims. Awesome, awesome. Pressman? Hey, oh, you can find me over at kind of my social media home if you will letterboxd at preston967 i am on the twitter at uh, preston967 as well uh, as well as facebook of course uh, under preston green you can find me um yeah the um gosh what a hundred shit i'm going blank what do we call the the christmas thon if you will cheer i believe it's cheerathon right cheerathon i'm an idiot cuz i'm like you know 30 movies in at this point. I can't even remember what it's called. Yeah. Cheerathon is in full effect. Be sure to check it out, man. It's been a fun uh, December thus far. And um, yeah, good things are happening over there on Letterboxd. 
And if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is at Discount Vincent Price on Letterboxd and Instagram. You can also find me on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, Disorder Every Disney Film, and Grim Grinning Hosts, a tribute to all things pop culture, but predominantly theme parks. We'd like to thank you again for listening to Horrors from the Vault. Hey, just remember, if you see some corn in the field, it might have been fucked, so maybe you shouldn't eat that. You should go to eat Popeyes instead. Crypt Keeper, let's get out of here. Make sure to boil it first. Fuck that corn. Fucking the corn. Corn cabbage. It's time to slam the book shut for this episode of Horrors from the Vault. We hope you had a bone-chillingly delightful time. And your deep-brained souls were satisfied to the macabre cause. Beware, kiddies, because the next time you dare to venture into the vault, you might not come back at all. I want the Kentucky and Southern entire corn cob up my goddamn gooch. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please order that at a KFC drive-thru? Can I get the corn cob covered in gooch?